Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 606 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcast. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm ready for our longest episode ever. I think it's going to be a short show. Ah. I have to tweak that out of the end of my notes for the tease this week, but go ahead. So, uh, I don't think so. We'll see. Um... Fingers crossed. It was a big uh, after dark this week, but you know most of you won't find out until uh, Fridays. That's right. It, uh, after dark was like your foot this week, bloated. You know I've been doing good, uh, staving off the bloat foot. I mm. feel it coming, and I take my precautions, and I do all my uh, my uh, my witchcraft and my rituals <laughs> and so forth to keep your, it from bloating up. You know, right? Your anti-bloat foot regiment, right? That's right. right. Well, that's no good. Mints, I, no mints involved. I wish you well this summer, Joe. Oh, you do? Yes. I, I wish you no specific harm, you know? Uh, I thought you were going to say that you wish someone threw me down a well, but... Oh, no. Never, never. What do we have on the show here today, Mr. Todd? Um, something amazing is coming up at Marvel. And speaking of Marvel, a certain Sumerian might be taking his talents somewhere else. Um comic talent who sadly recently passed away gets a brand spanking new award named after him <laughs> and the greatest maxi series of all time gets a, a special while on hiatus joe also the return of grading on you um convention or conventions i think it's singular this week um what we read last week which was hulk versus thor banner of war alpha crossover 13 and a preview review of the book we helped made us make a smash sensation uh i hate this place what we're looking forward to this week the todd and joe have issues segment i'm still starting to call todd and joe go rogue after five months of doing this joe um todd's art attack and once again i don't think we have any tv or movie talk at the end so it should be a short show oh i forgot to erase that Right, a rare uh, week, I think. At least we get like a two-week reprieve, right? Right. Didn't we do nothing last week too? No, last week we had Moon Knight and Doctor Strange. That felt like two weeks ago because I was so surprised oh by God. how good Doctor Strange was. Yes, yeah. and uh, we'll we'll get to it when we get to it here. Um, in regards to the notes and the jokes and the remarks and the so forths. <laughs> right. Uh, where did you begin? Oh, you. Uh, so uh, there was a big um, Marvel announcement. We knew it was coming um, with legacy numbering and so forth. And far be it from Marvel not to double, if not triple dip when it comes to the book that sells the most there, which is Spider-Man. Uh, I think we are having a 900th uh, issue of Amazing Spider-Man um, you know, renumbering, be damned, coming mm -hmm. up here in the next couple of weeks. But then in August, we're getting Amazing Fantasy 1000. Right. Uh, which is going to be a bunch of different creators doing Spider-Man stories, um, you know, from the Emmy Award winning creators behind the television show Veep. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Slott, Michael Cho, Hochi Anderson, Raymond Rowell, Rainbow Rowell, Jonathan Hickman, and Neil Gaiman. Ooh. Yes. Um, I, I'm hoping 
that this is just random Spider-Man stories. I'd like to see, but at least with Neil Gaiman and Dan Slott, uh, I would like to see them do a 1602 Spider-Man story and then Dan Slott doing the Superior Spider-Man story. Kind of like the way they did in the uh, Th- the recent Thor 750 or whatever it was. They yeah. had Walt Simonson tell a story during his run and stuff like that. Um, I would like to see something like that. But I can't even imagine the hoops that they're using to get through to make it Amazing Fantasy 1000. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at that legacy numbering of the in the back of the book. Re- remember when we cared about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but no, so there's not a ton of uh, information about what stories are going to be being told. Um, like Dan Slott, it just says like a story set in the far future. Um, Michael Cho and Anthony Falcone are introducing a new villain. Uh, Hochi Anderson is doing a horror themed book or horror-themed story, and that's really all we got. Uh, So sadly, I don't think we're going to get a superior Spider-Man. Sadly, but you never know. Right, but that's just what I was, like, you know, hoping for. But maybe maybe they'll swerve us, Joe. Who knows? Yeah, and again, when have the solicitations ever been wrong, you know? Never, because I usually don't read them, because I don't want to be spoiled. The definition of plans change, pal. (laughs) Right. Uh, speaking of over at Marvel, uh, easy come, easy go, I guess, as uh, Marvel has either lost or is letting lapse the Conan license. Right. And the current uh, King Conan story that Jason Aaron is doing that is wrapping up this summer is going to be the last new printed material that Marvel be- will be putting out. Uh, but they do have plans for a whole bunch of collections of the back material all the way up until the end of the year. Uh, but there's no announcement of who has the rights. Right. I, it has something to do with the people who own them or taking them back somehow. Um, so it's because I, I found another article. that says like Conan comics are created and published in Europe without license under the public domain rules. And a thing called Ablaze has republished them in the U.S. back into English. Um, so maybe there's something with that. Uh, and it also says that it, it, the characters are maintained by Conan Properties International and licensed to Cabinet Entertainment. Both companies are controlled by a CEO. And uh, I, I'm just rolling over this really quick. But it looks like it's going back to the owners who have it. They probably want to do some like cinematic universe with it or something, you know, cause that's the, the plan with everything these days, Joe. Yeah. So I guess where it comes into is, is that because that copyright law um, is different in the United States than it is in Europe, um, that these stories are public domain in Europe. And any, that includes anything from 1978 to current. Mm-hmm. Um, where in the United States, that kind of, like, I think there's a difference between 70 years versus 95 years, which is something that they instituted for Disney to, so that they can keep their properties over with them. Oh, yep. Um, but I think what you're saying, uh, they're looking to create some sort of cinematic universe sort of thing, mm-hmm. where whatever that cabinet entertainment Conan Properties is partnering up with. Right. They have a bunch of properties, and I'll be completely honest with you that I don't know what these are. Right. Um, Brand Mock Morn. I know Call. Call is like a Conan knockoff. 
So is Brand Mock Moore, I think. Okay, so it looks like they have a bunch of like Conan and Conan like properties. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with those. Uh, but it's just so funny that like Marvel just got the license from Dark Horse not like what three years ago. Yep. And they're and already seems, uh, losing it, seems, it back to the original right holders. Right. It seems like they like they didn't do that much with it. You know what I mean? Other than like maybe it was just to get their 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 like old Marvel stuff back. I, I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I'm happy if this company got one over on Disney somehow. Uh, that kind of, you know, is kind of good, but I, I don't know. Uh, I wish them the best and I will read good Conan comics depending on the creator, you know? Right. That's the, the, the main caveat, the main crux of this, you know, good stories, good creators, you know, always mm-hmm. are going to get read and, uh, Conan's a name enough that, you know, the more recent stuff, uh, that Jason Aaron has done. And then we did it, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, when I read the, uh, Kurt Busiek stuff that I had never read before. And a lot of that yep. was really good. Bring him back. Yeah. Why not? Uh, speaking of more good comics, um, Todd gets a little bit of a reprieve as we were all told that Human Target was going to be taking a break and would not be coming back until September. But au contraire, mon frere, uh, they're putting <laughs> out a prequel one shot in August mm-hmm. uh, called Tales of the Human Target. Um, it's going to be like a one-shot anthology, kind of a primer, I guess, to get you back into whatever. And it's going to be that comes out, and then the first trade comes out, and then the new series starts at the end of September. So, yep. And this is going to have three different covers, and uh, Todd has already said that he has no choice. He has to get them all. I already put... I, Joe, you didn't have... The, the the ink wasn't dry on the email you sent me. <laughs> right. And there was an email sent to our retailer. I'm like, they're announcing this, blah, blah, blah. There's going to be three covers. I'm putting my hat in the ring for all three. You know? And right. We'll discuss. Now, my feelings on this, and again, it's going to be Tom King. It's going to be um, Greg Smallwood. It's going to be Mikel Janine. It's going to be Ralph, Ra- Raphael Albuquerque. And Kevin McGuire doing stuff in the uh, anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if this is, and again, I don't want to say new stuff, but maybe stuff that Tom King had laying around when he put the series together. It's like, well, I can't really fit this stuff in there. Um, you know, this could have been like your issue one, two padding out stuff. But the series was such a success, and there's a market for it, that we're like, oh, we could take some of the stuff that didn't make the cut in the main 12 issues, pad this out a little bit, and just get another issue out of it, which I got no problem with. I have a completely different take. Go ahead. I, I think this is all new stuff. Like, uh, like maybe it was part of the ideas. Maybe he clipped it. But I, I, I feel that this was done because they put a gap in there and I feel the gap w- is not in there for Tom King. It's in there for, to give Greg Smallwood a break. Sure. Cause he's knocking it out of the park on art. Um, so he's like, well, I have this, I can whip up a one shot like in that time with different artists and we're good to go. And the, the, the thing that I read, cause I, I, I read this article, Joe, that's unusual for the show. Um, it, 
it has it's three different stories that are like are but with the three different artists, but they all dovetail into each other, and it has something to do with the character we we like we had left the cliffhanger on. It's like oh, the human target shows up and talks to this person. He's like oh, okay, this is like they established that the human target has met this character before, and this is going to show you where. In my opinion, I don't have any fact for that you know what i mean but i feel that's what he's doing and then you know uh greg smallwood's working on the issues that he has in the in the bank already so it all works out you know you 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 keep it in the consciousness of comic readers the trade comes out it all works my only question is is kevin doing those pages physically or digitally oh boy because what could go wrong there Right. Uh, well, again, if 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 he does do them uh, physically, I know where you could go find them. Right in a blog post, maybe. Maybe highly right. unlikely. But, so my yeah. other thing, and this is just you know me thinking aloud, and I don't think they're going to because the original series is a black label book, and it wasn't one of the oversized black label books. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned that because this is like a special prequel one shot that they might decide to get cute and funny with it and make this, like, a larger size book. I don't think they're gonna. Right. But, like, I just have this little tinge in the back of my head that they're gonna try to make this bigger. I think the only way it'll be bigger is if it's got more pages. Like, well, not not the physical, like, size. Like, you need a magazine bag to store it. Right, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. I think this might be square-bound, but it'll be square-bound comic size. You know what I mean? Fingers crossed. Right. Like that wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, you know what I mean? Because I believe the regular, obviously the regular uh, human targets are regular comic size, but I believe they're staple. I'm not, I know there's a, a blog that tells us what books are staple, but I can't think of it right now. But uh, we'll maybe, um, I'm hoping that's what it is. But if they do square bound, same size doesn't bother me. But like I said, need all the covers. And my biggest fear is that as we close this out, um, human target like when we get to 12 dc will be like this is such a hit this is the one where retailers can sign up for their own like you know unique variant cover and then i become like your other co-host trying to hunt down Azrael variants so oh boy i don't want that sickness because i got a set of rules joe that i stick by and the blog that you're thinking of uh todd is does this comic have staples.com that's the one, yes. Yes. A very useful resource uh, in the comic book world. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, last week, Todd, uh, you know, we, we talked about the passing of George Perez and uh, his legacy in comic books and kind of how many of us will remember him, right? Right. Many, many, many of us will remember him. However, there's another group maybe a much smaller group that know George Perez for other reasons, Mm -hmm. much smaller group. And I think this is maybe how George Perez would have wanted to be remembered. Yep. Uh, Because uh, uh, August uh, 14th, uh, do we know where this is so we can, or is it in an undisclosed location? No, I believe if I, because when I said to you, Florida, maybe. Because that's where he was from, too. Right, right. Uh, So August 14th uh, at St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, the Fetish Con 
will be hand- handling their uh, fifth annual fetish awards. Mm-hmm. And one of the awards uh, is going to be uh, the George Perez Hero Award. Right. Presented to someone within the industry who has gone above and beyond to help others in the fetish community. And you'll be uh, a recipient of $1,000. Which I think is fantastic. George wore that out loud, like on his sleeve. You know what I mean? So Right. And it was just something that it's not something that like defined him as a person. But it's something that he was not secretive about, I guess mm-hmm. would be the best way to put it, you know? Right, right. And I can imagine in like 70s and the 80s, maybe into the 90s, that's not something that you would trumpet and advertise. But obviously, George was just the type of guy of like, this is what I'm into. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to whatever comic book conventions, but I'm also going to Fetish Con. Yep. And I wonder how much of it was because there is a whole superhero aspect to that, you know, that they do. Sure. So, like, I know, I know, like, like looking into this, that I've seen, like, he, like, some, like, uh, models had characters and he would design the costumes for them and draw it and, like, give it to them. So I'm like, I don't, like, I'm not saying he wasn't, you know, into that, but, like, that was a part of it, too. And he was well-loved there because a lot of these people are actual superhero fans too, you know? So I think it's, it's, it's all really cool and good for him. And, you know, I hope eventually somebody, you know, uses that money for good, Joe. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Yep. Uh, and last but not least, Todd, it's the second week in a row that we have a grading on you segment. Mm-hmm. Todd, what are you doing the second weekend uh, of July? Are you headed to Tampa? I think so. I'm, you know, I feel there's an opportunity in that direction. Well, I did sign you up for the uh, limited travel and accommodation scholarship <laughs> because it's the free to apply and attend CGC Comics Academy. Ooh. Uh, the syllabus includes Comics Grading 101, the history of comics grading, the CGC process live grading demos and more uh at the end of the seminar there will be a comic book grading test for prizes uh all attendees will receive plenty of cgc items and a cgc academy uh diploma opportunity um and this is just essentially a hiring stunt. Uh, they've really been trying to crack down and trying to get more people to sign up. As we talked last week, they're branching out into uh, the CGCing of old VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you're the single one who could just go at a drop of a hat. I say you go and do this, Todd. I, I might. I want to hang that diploma on the wall, Joe. Mm-hmm. I am so CGC smart, you know? <laughs> Well, if you go through the whole course um, and then you get the diploma, I wonder if you could send the diploma back to them to have it graded. Oh, CGC's like after you do this whole like this whole uh, this whole academy is free. But if you want us to grade your diploma, Joe, that's a slight fee of a thousand dollars. 
I am just interested to see. I know they tell you what, you know, is grading 101, right? Mm-hmm. I want to see accreditation on these uh, teachers. You know what I mean? I don't want just some Johnny-come-lately fly-by-night grader teaching me about the history of comic book grading, you know? Right, right. Uh, I just can't even imagine. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Uh, I, and you know what the sad thing is? I would love if it wasn't CGC. Do you know what I mean? Like, here, like here's something maybe for our local retailer or any other retailer. Like, do, like, have a paid course to teach you how to grade. I would lo- love to learn how. That's one of the things in all the cur- like years that I've done uh, collecting comics is I always had to go, like when I was buying big books at a show, I'd have to have somebody with me. It would be, usually be the retailer, maybe somebody else, be like, what grade is this? Like, cause I know the prices of what books, like the, when I was doing flash, when I was getting the whole silver age one, I'd know what the, the grades would go for, but I wouldn't know if, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the retailer at a show was, was doing an opportunity with these silver age books. And I would get the Iggy where it'd be like, put that book down or you know what, if you want to buy it, buy it. Like that's a good price for that grade. Like kind yeah. of the deal. So I would love to like do that. And I did actually buy at one point, and I have it upstairs. Our retailer had it. It was how to grade comics like the Overstreet way. Like they put out a, a book years ago and it was really cool. And I have it where like they even have like the color charts in it. It's like these are the like what ye- like the, the versions of white pages to yellow pages kind of. Yeah, thing. absolutely. It was it was all fantastic, but it's such a dry read. It's tough to get through. But I really do like all joking aside with CGC. Um, I think retailers could make a lot of money if they if they trained people how to grade books. You know what I mean? On the side. Or yeah. go to a seminar at their shop or whatever. Bring people in, you know? I wonder if this is the beginning of CGC attempting to do this. Ooh, like a school. Like well, the Cooper School of Art. The CGC oh, School of... So go not ahead, so much as a school, but sending a representative to like the bigger stores or an area where there are several comic book stores and offering this class to retailers. I think that would, you know, if that might help, but I know like definitely our retail doesn't need it. Right. I think- no, no. And I, I'm right. So that's the thing I'm saying that your retailer, our retailer doesn't need it, but maybe there are retailers that do. That, that could be, that could be. You know, this is their CGC's uh, attempt to get them, the retailers or whomever, to come to them. Depending on how that works out, maybe it's time for them to go to the retailers. Right. I mean, this is all just a ploy to get uh, bodies into CGC because they're so far behind. Oh, sure. Like they want to like. It's like we're gonna throw we're gonna throw as many bodies at this at this academy as we can and hopefully we'll get a hundred guys who work our our people who work out and uh, like we can hire them because we're just getting, we're just getting smashed with like, you know, backlogs. So I don't know. And I'll, and you know, I'll just throw this out here and you know, we kind of, you know, we are not CGC people and we kind of rag on them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know, um, and we'll, you know, kind of mention this here when we get into conventions uh, I know Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor are working with CGC. Mm-hmm. And I think this weekend, um, them, Jimmy and Amanda, amongst others, being at Megacon in Orlando, 
they at their table are going to have a CGC person. Uh, right. So CGC yeah. is um, excited to announce MegCon signing event with Amanda, Jimmy, and someone by the name of John Boy Myers. I don't know who that is. Uh, all CGC members, including free CGC members, much, must drop books off in person by the end of the day on Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. And Jimmy goes and puts out um, that if you go and bring stuff to this particular event, your stuff's going to get fast-tracked. Right. So, you know, obviously we talked before about creators having their signature series as with CGC, creators having their deals, whatever, with specific conventions, but you mentioned CGC having a backlog, having a big-name creator creators, um, having a signature series event that results in you getting your stuff to the front of the list yeah um but cgc kind of does that a lot in-house without okay cons like uh they'll have like i'm just going to use somebody like john ramita jr like because i think he actually lives down he's another one who lives down in florida i could be wrong maybe it's new york regardless but they'll bring him in they'll fly him in they'll be like you're just gonna you're just gonna sign stuff all weekend and then that stuff gets fast tracked because guess who you're you're going through, you know what I mean? You're going through CGC, so yeah. you know, like they have a deal with them. I think that's all great. Like, and anything that the creators can make extra money on for the CGC, because I'm I'm a guy who I hate when I'm at a show and I see like people like okay, uh, what I I get if they get upset that the creators want to charge for signatures whatever i say get it whatever you can as a creator but they'll be like oh you're charging extra for this for anything that's going to be signature series that's not fair i'm like you're willing to give that money to cgc like you're like whatever it costs like they're going to certify that signature so it costs you 30 bucks but you don't want to throw the the creator a few shekels i that drives me absolutely nuts so I like whenever a creator can get in bed with cgc and make the money off the top good for them Right. Sorry, I went off on a rant. So, uh, you know, we mentioned here this weekend is MegaCon Orlando. Uh, this is still part of the Fan Expo wizard stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know there's a certain the creator who says that all these, um, this is the one convention that keeps all their other conventions afloat. Right. Uh, you beat me to it. But anyway, go ahead. And I'd be hard-pressed to disagree because this is a stacked convention. Uh, you know, Frank Miller, who they have the exclusive with, uh, Mark Silvestri, Greg Capullo, Donnie Cates, uh, Ryan Stegman, Ryan Otley, Zeb Wells, James T James Taney IV, Tom King, uh, Mitch Gerard, the aforementioned Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, Dan DiDio, and Frank Thierry. I'm going to throw it out there. You're at this convention? You see those last four names hanging out together? Follow wherever they're going. Because mm -hmm. that's where the party are. Right. That's where the parties are. That's right. But, Todd, and I know you love this, where there's going to be sports entertainers there. Oh, okay. Get it out. From the world of sports and entertainment, we have, I would say, some of the biggest names. We've got Kevin Owens is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, uh, my friend Mark, the Undertaker. Okay. Keep an eye on the Koala Care stations is all I'm saying if Mark's in town. Mm -hmm. 
Don't ask him to sign anything from 1991 or ticket stubs. I just saw that. Uh-huh. I do have a ticket stub to bash at the brewery I'm willing to sign, Joe. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, I don't think Mark was there. I checked the bathrooms. They were clean. No, I mean, I'm selling it also. Oh, you're selling. Oh, okay. Yep. I thought you were going to bring it there to have Mark sign it. Right, right. And then get and, it graded. Yes. And Alexa Bliss is going to be there. Will anybody have eyes on Adam this weekend? <laughs> well, I did give... Listen, I, I did the notes a little bit early, and I did give him the Iggy last week. And I said the... Uh, the old Chikaris and Chopper is fueled up just in case he needs to use it this weekend. <laughs> right. With the rusty rotors. Good yes, luck. Yes, it hasn't, it hasn't flown in quite some time, you know? Uh, but he did tell me that there is an Alexa Bliss event coming closer to us sometime uh, in June. Uh, uh, I think somewhere in Virginia. And he was uh, scratching his chin on that one. Right. I, I guess that wrestling chopper has rotor rust. Is that a, is that a term, Joe? Yeah, like ring rust. It's rotor rust. Right. See what I did there? But there's a uh, bunch I... of other conventions going on this weekend, but I'd say that's the biggest one, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the links to that will be in the show notes, of course, along with all the other links, uh, all the other shows in the soon-to-be-named network, which you can find over at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Uh, all the shows in the network. This show you're listening to, Longbox Heroes, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark. At Odds with Wrestling, uh, Final Wrestling Place, at, uh, uh, We Need Wrestling, Wings on Wings, uh, Hit My Music, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Porch Talk, and I think that's everything. Yep. And anytime any of those other folks uh, show up on any other shows and they let me know, I'll make sure to include it in the notes. Uh, Todd, I'll have you know uh, that I did turn down a podcast request today. Wow, are you yeah. sick? Are you sick? I need to ease things back. I think they just didn't agree to the writers in your contract. That's right. They had to mortgage their house three times to get me up here. Right, and they, you, a, they didn't want to pull out the red M&Ms. That's right. It'd be a low rent, a real low-rent person that would charge people to be on their podcasts. One of these days, I do want to do what our writer the writers in our contract would be if we ever had to do like, if we ever got signed to comic conventions. Okay. Uh, I think that's a bit we can do. Joe. That's a bit we could do. You know, I love bits. Yep. Um, but also check out our friend, Kevin, uh, his blog over at masslibrary.com. Uh, I think he just did a recent review for a Kickstarter of something called the beckoning of a mm-hmm. And he also had some new videos going up, uh, checking the dollar and the quarter bins at the local comic book emporiums uh rick williams the chop shop all those cool uh resin and glow in the dark sci-fi fantasy and wrestling figures that he does uh jason sandberg's jupiter and chris runt's battle monsters longtime listeners of this show they have you know self-published and created their own comic books we have the links that you can go and purchase those digitally from them and like I said, I put it out there. No one's corrected me. Otherwise, they might have physical editions. I don't know. You could ask. doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also check out our local comic book shop, Comics on the Green. If you do not have a comic shop in your area or a good comic book shop in your area, uh, let them be your comic book shop. We have a link to their Facebook page, which, which is where Dave and the crew do a lot of their announcements, uh, sales, weekly stuff, you know, kind of letting you know what the latest pre-orders are so you don't miss out on all three covers of the new human target book before todd scoops them all up Mm -hmm. 
And like I said, if you don't have a shop in your area, you can definitely sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get your stuff mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And there's a chance you might get a sketch on your package from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her social media uh, for all the sketches and prints and process that she's done for all the great work that she's done. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's get into what we've read from this past week, Todd. Where would you like to begin? Uh, I'm going to start with the book I think the two of us were looking to forward to most, which is Hulk versus Thor, Banner of War Alpha, or Part 1, depending on what you have. Um, writing, written by Donny Cates, art by Martin Cocolo. Uh, basically, uh, it's you know, the Watcher starting out, which I think is a good was a great bit for this uh, story, where he ends up giving you everything you need to know what's been going on in Donny Cates' Thor, and then uh, Hulk. And get you caught up because they had met, you know, at the end of one of the comics. I forget which one. And they end up doing battle. Uh, and they, you know, wreak havoc across this planet. And Thor wants to take the battle away from uh, all, uh, you know, all the, all the inhabited places. So he ends up, you know, whisking him off to this interesting place that's like a, like a uh, what do you call a bat, like a, a contest place where you can fight. And they go at it. And it's really not much more than that. It's a lot of the book is them battling and Banner trying to figure out uh, like he's going to fight smarter because this is the first time, you know, he, he Banner's in control of the Hulk while fighting Thor. And they go over like a bunch of different battles that they had. And he ends up uh, Thor does something really cool with the, the hammer to pin him down. And then uh, Hulk does something to get out of it. I've never seen before. So that's really cool. And the whole thing they're fighting about, too, is that still the un- unknown storyline where Banner may have killed somebody on Earth. And Thor's trying to, you know, give him a little justice for that. Um, this is this is a quick book, a fun book, sets up everything you need to know. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm looking forward to this because, as I think with you, too, I'm a sucker for any time a book crosses over with – a, a book that I'm reading and they're both done by the same writer because yes. it seems more organic than forced. Right. So I think the way that we got here, and again, I would hate to say is a little forced, um, you know, obviously it trying to tie what's going on in both the mainline Hulk and Thor books together um, is a little difficult, I guess, mm-hmm. because they're so different, but at the end of Thor six, or I'm sorry, Hulk six. Um, it was the latest uh, threat that was put in front of the Hulk to power the Hulk engine, mm-hmm. and that's what ties into this. And of course, what's going on? And I don't think this is spoilers. We're talking about books that have been, you know, where the the uh, resolution of a lot of these things are like two months old at least, you know. Mm-hmm. where Odin is dead, but he lives inside Thor's hammer and only Thor could hear him. Right. So uh, these sound like very disparate storylines, very different ideas that should not mesh well, but Donny Cates does do a very good job of meshing them. And, and as you mentioned as well, the bit with the Watcher in here added like a little bit of comedy, which you don't really get very often from the Watcher. No, I agree. The only other time that I could recall the Watcher was play, played for laughs, out like in continuity, right? You do you, you got your what does and your what ifs, where you know sometimes you have a little fun with them there, 
But there was an issue of the Joe Kelly Deadpool run where they did a bit with the Watcher where it was played for laughs. And it was part of the mainline book. Right. Um, but I really enjoyed this. Uh, the art is beautiful. Um, they, like I said, the most important thing, like Todd said, these are two books that we're already reading. They're crossing over with each other. There's only one extra book that we have to get, which is this like bridging book. And this bridging book is essentially here for just in case like, hey, maybe you're only reading Thor or maybe you're only reading Hulk or maybe you're reading neither of them. If you pick this up, they give you everything that you need to know about this Thor and this Hulk that you're reading in this book. Mm-hmm. Which you don't even really need because it's just Hulk and Thor fighting each other. But sometimes, you know, a little bit of story uh, helps those high spots get over a little bit more, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, so I guess it's just like this bridging book. And then we got the two issues of Thor and two issues of Hulk as this crossover. And we're done. We're good. Right. There's no Omega, right? I don't think so. If there was, it hasn't been solicited, you know? Right. But I wouldn't, let's just put it this way. I wouldn't be mad if there was one, but hopefully it'll wrap up in the two Thor and Hulk books. For sure. Uh, other book that we read from this past week was Crossover number 13. Uh, written by Donnie Cates, uh, with art primarily by Jeff Shaw, but a couple other folks as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I guess this is the issue where everything gets thrown on its head. Yeah. Where Donnie Cates was introduced as the writer a couple issues ago. And I'll preface this um, by just kind of saying that while this was a very good story, the fact that it's been three months since an issue, two and a half months since an issue, mm -hmm. uh, kind of hurt the momentum of this book. Fair enough. Um, but it's essentially Donnie Cates lamenting on how he wanted to write a love story, and it turned into this mess. Yep. Um, and, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. And I was going to say, and giving me some stuff about his life that I never knew. Yes. So... Uh, it becomes a strangely personal book, which I was not expecting. Um, you know, there were some character reveals that happened a couple issues ago, and, like, we're months down the, the road here. Uh, but it ends up being that the big, I guess, comic bad in this is Negan, mm -hmm. which was an interesting twist when he shows up in this, and you get all the different image characters and stuff. Um, but, so this issue... I liked the way that it kind of felt like it was building to this was the finale. Right. And then we get the solicitations for more stuff that hasn't been solicited yet. Um, so it's not the end. Right. But this book very much felt like this is the end of this story. Like they pretty much say it in black and white. Um, I really like this entire run. But it really hurt from the delay, from delays. I agree on that because I'm of that ilk where it's like, hey, I love TMNT uh, Last Ronin. I was enjoying Batman Catwoman. You know what I mean? And it's like when they, when that happens, it really like now this isn't anywhere close to what those were. Um, but yeah, I kind of lose, it loses steam. The only thing that I will say is I think I like this issue a little more than you. Uh, I like, I actually love like the getting into Donnie Cates's life. And then when things happen and you think the story's over, it's like, no, like remember this about comics and how they work. And I'm like, 
okay. And, you know, you get the bit at the end. And I'm like, this is really ingenious. And the whole logic behind it, like, like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Maybe that, you know, would have a little bit more control. And, and I just enjoyed it. And I just, and especially since it's issue 13, I didn't feel that this was the, like going in, it was the end. Cause this seems to be the beginning of a new storyline. Like, a th- like nobody ends a comic on a 13, if you get what I'm saying. So I don't know. I, I, I'm just looking forward to more crossover, Yes, but I do wish they would pick up the pace. But like, like we said, um, cause this is the all Donnie Kate show now. Uh, uh he's not going to give up that Hulk Thor money. Right. And, you know, it's a story that we bring up all the time with uh, Jason Aaron, who was very forthcoming about this. When he was doing his creator-owned stuff, which started to slack a little bit, he was also doing Wolverine and Wolverine of the X-Men and a Punisher Max miniseries Mm -hmm. uh, that was also running very late. And in the letters pages of the Punisher book, he was essentially like, hey, Marvel says... We want you to make a priority of the books that sell to the top 10 of the list as opposed to the ones that sell to the bottom 10. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, this is what the bosses say to do. You know, get the ones that make the money out first um, as opposed to the stuff that you own or the stuff that you're passionate about or whatever it is. Uh, but so I, I knew, so it wasn't, because this was six issues. There was six issues. There was the Chip Zdarsky one shot and then six issues. So like I knew this was like not a definitive finale. Mm-hmm. But the fact that one, it was late, and two, there was nothing on the horizon for at least like the next like three months. Right. I'm like, oh, this might be the end, right? Okay. Um, and because th- so that's the only thing. It's not like I read the solicitations or anything else like that. But you know, the spreadsheets and the notebooks and everything <laughs> else that used to keep track of my books. And I look and I see them like, there's no crossover for June or July or nothing for August definitively. And two things do get teased in the back of this book, but none of them have dates. Right. And uh, one might be a gimmick, but it says that it has new material in there, so I got to get it. Yep. That is the same way when I saw the solicitations in the previews. I was like, yep. Uh, But so what kind of started out as a tease of a big, giant image company-wide crossover that took a lot of different turns uh, ended up being a very personal story uh, for a creator that, you know, we both like very much. So uh, I, I really enjoyed this. And I know Todd said that he enjoyed it a lot more. And I'm not going to harp on what I already harped on. But I really, this is definitely a series that one day when the pile gets a little bit smaller is going to need like a full reread through, you know? Fair enough. I, I get that. Yeah. That was kind of the way, I mean, not to go off topic, but like with Saga. Like, you know, that went away for a while, not, you know, a little longer than a crossover, but I was like, I'm sitting down and reading all of this. Mm -hmm. So uh, I get it. I'll probably do the same thing. Right. And then uh, last but not least, uh, what we read this week uh, is a preview review book that we were nice enough to get a review copy a couple weeks ago uh, when we had the writer Kyle Starks on the podcast. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go check it out. Uh, Kyle's a very fun, very passionate creator, uh, and this is a very special project for him um, in that this is his first non-comedy book. We did a story last week that this is a book that's tracking uh, to sell, you know, upwards to 30,000 
books, units, whatever, and which is a bit, pretty big deal, uh, you know, on the indie comics in 2022, which Image Skybound still is technically an indie book. Uh, he and the artist, who again, unfortunately, not familiar with uh, Art Yum Toplin, uh, you know, when we read this book like a month ago, I really enjoyed it. Um, I made a lot of allusions to a feel of an Evil Dead type movie. Um, and a, especially like a horror movie where you, it's a, a horror book. If you're familiar with horror movies where there are rules and whether they're explicitly stated or if you're a horror fan, the rules are in place. Um, but the rules are kind of explicitly stated here. And mm -hmm. it definitely leaves the cliffhanger of the ending of the first issue, um, you know, uh, really that much more of a cliffhanger because we're given all these little pieces, all these little bits of where the storyline can go and characters and things like that. Uh, but this issue goes on sale today. Uh, buy it digitally. Go to your local comic book store. If it wasn't on your pull list before, pick it up. Right. Uh, this book's going to sell out and... I don't want you, listener of the show, kicking yourself, saying, oh, man, this book blows up huge and is the next whatever. And I don't want to put, like, some sort of, like, weird thing on it. Says, like, oh, this is going to be the next some sort of lofty goal that no one could reach. But let's just say this is, like, the next hot book, whether it be creatively, yes, or sales-wise, fingers crossed, and you missed out on it. Yep. You can't say that you weren't warned by <laughs> us literally for years yep and if you get this book up you get there early you got to might have a choice of two different covers one a little more profane than the other yes so and and, and that's and that you know and that's a great gimmick um you know obviously i i don't know what our store's deal is if they decided that they're gonna put like you know i don't even know how these shipped like they there might be a, a black plastic bag covering the title uh you know the offending word that's in the original title of this book but I'm getting both covers, um, yep. you know, just because one, I think it's a cool thing. And two, uh, it's good to, to support creators, um, you know, that kind of do this sort of material and take these sort of chances that we've kind of gotten to know, uh, you know, over this however much time it is. I, ca I can give you the Iggy that they both both covers just shipped as any comic would. Gotcha. That I do know from what I heard. So mm. um, when I'll weather our retailer will put the like how many they'll, they'll have left over of the uh, profane cover. Like because I know he does have black like, you know, censored bags. Sure, sure. That might have like spots for, you know, like logos and stuff like or like just in a, so you can see the cover, but this stuff's blocked out. I don't know. But I ended up grabbing both I'll be grabbing both covers. So I'm with you. Right. And and like I said, you know, um if you're listening to this Wednesday morning, call your local retailer. Go say, hey, put this in my bag right mm -hmm. now. Because there's a chance if you haven't and you get there later in the day, it's going to be sold out. Right. And maybe uh, if you get there early, they can reorder before, like, Image sells out, you know? Right. And I remember a couple months ago that Image said, Image Skybound said that they're not going to be doing, like, a, you know, they're going to be doing second printings, but they're not going to be doing it as much. Right. Um, and, again, I can't stress this enough. Don't miss out. Mm-hmm. We, we we've like warned this you guy. for years. Right. We like this guy, too. So, yeah. And, and again, this is something that we read. We both enjoyed. 
Um, you know, we'll mention it again next week because I'm sure it'll be something that we, you know, want to discuss. But, you know, this is kind of like your last chance to get this book before it sells out. Right. No hyperbole. So that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, uh, every Tuesday we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, uh, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Um, I'm not sure why I, why I have May 19th on the brain, but let me fix that. Uh, <laughs> Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is in the lead over me with five correct guesses. Um, Todd, I throw it over to you. What uh, do you think I'm looking forward to coming out this week? Now, does, because we discussed it now, does I Hate This Place count? Because we read it already, right? No, doesn't count. Just making sure. Um, so I'll take that off the list, because obviously Kyle, you know, jumps to the front of the list for both of us usually. So is the book you're looking forward to most Thor 25, the part of the Banner of War storyline? It is not. Oh, what is it? Is it World's Finest? No. Oh. It's Fables 151. Oh, Okay. The return of fables after however many years away. Um, you know, they did the Batman versus Big B, a wolf in Gotham thing, which was just kind of a reintroduction of that character who was kind of like the breakout character, if you will. Um, fables is something that ended a long time ago. Um, and now it's back. They're doing it as a 12 issue maxi series. Bill Willingham and Mark Buckingham back in the saddle again. Mm -hmm. uh, sadly, I did not get a chance to read the previous 150 issues, plus three six-issue miniseries, plus the 25-plus uh, run of Jack of Fables. But uh, I'm looking forward to uh, diving back into this one. Fair enough. You know what threw me on this one, Joe? Um, huh. Because I, I was like, oh, Fables, this is a book Joe's been getting recently. I know, you know, <laughs> Fables went, but it's that Biggs, Bigsby Batman crossover? Yeah. Which was like, isn't that a Fables thing? It, it is, but it isn't. Right, it is, but it isn't. And I was like, in my mind, because I've never read Fables, not an issue, um, I didn't realize that this was the beginning of the, the return of the series. I was just, because they were both coming out, I'm like, oh, like we already did some Fables stuff, and he said no. So that's why I'm completely thrown, as right. they say around here. Uh, and I'm going to guess... The book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Thor 25. It is the continuation of the Banner of War story. Hey, there you go. That was my layup to you, Joe. I was, was going to say, you tipped your hand a little bit there, pal. Mm, next time I'll let you go first. Uh, well, next time it's my turn to go first. So. <laughs> right. It's uh, all part of my plan. But yes. Uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out uh, all the other stuff that Todd and I have been up to, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. And the 2022 uh, placeholder for Todd and Joe Have Issues, which, again, can still be renamed here now five months in as Todd and Joe Go Rogue. Uh, <laughs> as we attempt to determine who has the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. It's a foregone conclusion that The Flash has the best rogues gallery in all of comics. I think Spider-Man has the second best. Todd thinks Batman is the second best. We're putting together an elaborate tournament, pitting the bottom of the barrel of each of those uh, rogues galleries against each other. You, the listeners, vote, and then we're going to determine who 
uh, at the end of all this, definitively has the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Mm-hmm. And this was a nail biter, Todd. This one came down to the closing, like literal seconds. Right. Uh, but last week, moving on, will be Chai Talk the Chikau, the chicken cow, whatever it is. That weird uh, half chicken, half cow thing. I think I got robbed, Joe. That's all I'm going to say. And so this is one of those deals where, um, you know, Adam kind of got hoisted by his own petard by this when he was trying to work his bits over on the A show with the voting and the the fantasy book cards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Where I, um, you know, I have it saved in my bookmarks, of course. And I go, oh, well, I see it's tied. It needs another push. I'll tweet it out from the main account, just like a generic neutral tweet. And it's one of those things where, like, you look at the tweet, but then when you click on the tweet, it does, like, a refresh. And it's like, oh, I'm in the lead by, like, two votes. And then I look back later. I'm like, oh, it's tied again. But it looks like it's the same numbers. And then I clicked again, and I'm like, oh, okay. All right, I see what's going on here. So it's like you just can't, like, look at the tweet. You have to, like, constantly refresh the tweet to get updated numbers on it. Yeah, yeah. So you were giving it the Iggy when you were already in the lead. I see what you're doing. So unintentionally, unintentionally. What a cheetah. Right. Um, so Chai Talk moves on. Uh the next matchup. Uh you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? It's up to you. You know, you won that last round. All right, debatably. I'll go first. A rarity when it comes to a Spider-Man villain. Uh one appearance only ever. <laughs> Um, so, and this is from the late eighties in an issue of spectacular Spider-Man where after a plane goes down, uh, that Robbie Robertson is on and he's kidnapped by tombstone who has ties to Robbie Robertson. Uh, Spider-Man is on the trail to rescue Robbie and, uh, he ends up in Southern Pennsylvania, uh, off the Susquehanna river. Hmm. Near Amish country, Ooh. where uh, he comes upon, and again, the geography on this gets a little sketchy, so bear with me. I'm only going by what was in the issue, okay? Um, Where he comes upon a large family of, let's say, ill folk. Right. Sons of the soil, if you will. <laughs> um. The representatives send out this large hulking creature to battle Spider-Man. And it seems as though it's like, you know, like your typical hulking-like creature where it has, you know, it's very large, it's very deformed looking, it has superhuman strength, but it also seems to have like a child's mentality, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, it turns out that this creature's mother, because this creature is only a 10-year-old boy, who was pregnant with twins and see, she was working at three mile Island at the time. And she was irradiated by the fallout from three mile Island. And that made her give birth to mutant twins. The, the smaller, more diminutive bug eye who apparently has mind control powers, but he plays a smaller role in this. And the much larger hulking-like creature, again, both 10-year-old boys, both who battle Spider-Man, uh, they have a battle, the larger character falls down a mine shaft, and of course, this is it, what, when Spider-Man figures out this is a child, um, because he's very scared of the dark, 
So Spider-Man saves him, brings him back to the town. Uh, the large hulking creature attempts to convince the rest of them uh, that Spider-Man is good and saved him. Uh, but they don't believe him. But the large hulking creature allows uh, Spider-Man to escape to fight another day. And this is the only appearance of these characters never to be seen again. And I haven't said the name of the character, Todd, because I wanted to save that for the big punch at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, late 80s, hill folk, sons of the soil. Of course, this large hulking creature's name is Banjo. Right. As you do. See, that doesn't sound like a bad character. Now, if he played a banjo, and that was his whatever, I don't know, maybe, but that sounds like a great character. Troubled, you know what I mean? Like, misunderstood, you know, fights first, but then, you know, becomes friends with Spider-Man. Great story. And I understand why they didn't do anymore, because when you do it perfect, you don't want to ruin it, Joe. Right. So. so I say it's a bad design, it's a badly thought out character, and it's, you know, ground that's been tread, and uh, Jerry Conway, you, you need to do better. Okay. Yeah. Um, would you like to hear about my character, Joe? I would love to. He is, and on the cover of Batman, and this is the, the phrase, so I'm going to set it up with uh, the, the, the thing that they used as the, the, to sell this book, the cover... Whoosh! Here comes the rubber-headed villain, the the eraser who tried to rub out Batman Joe, and he's this guy who's in a yellow suit that has pinstripes, so he looks like a number two pencil, and then he has like the old timey pencil eraser top over his head. His mask is like that brass thing with with the eraser on it. And then he has two shoes that are sharpened to a black shoes now that are sharpened to a point like a pencil. Because obviously, you know, pencil, the deadliest thing in any, you know, school or wherever. Um, And his thing is he... He is going to erase any clue. Like, you hire him. He's like, I'll take X amount of the take. I'll show up and I'll erase any sign that you were here. Because he was a troubled fellow. His name is, uh, is they have it both as Lenny or Leonard. Right there, that's very suspect. Any character named Lenny or Leonard. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Then Joe, his last name. Can, do you want to know his last name? It is Leonard Fiasco. So right in the name, they have Fiasco as this character. Growing up, Bruce Wayne went to college with him. Of course he did. And he was like, later on when he finds out, he's like, oh, this guy, Leonard Fiasco, was such trouble that they said, like, he always had to erase his mistakes. And the professors were like, oh, if you're going to keep doing this, you might want to erase things. Like, you keep your erasers because you're going to be using them. And, you know, just you're a walking mistake. So he decided to live the bit, the gimmick, and he creates this suit. And apparently he created something that will erase fingerprints and footprints or any sign that you're on the at the scene, which would seem really cool, but he has to take his helmet off, like the big eraser on the end of a pencil, and rub it on things to get them to go away. So he's walking around, you know, takes his mask off so he can show who he is. It's it's really stupid. Batman and Robin show up, shockingly get the better of the eraser after, you know, he, they, he tries to, you know, hurt Batman with his sharp shoes. And then... Uh, Batman puts him in jail and says, 
by the time you erase all the wrong you've done, Lenny, you'll be out. You can make uh, a new start in life with a clean slate. And he goes, I get the message. It's better to be a rubber than a robber. And because he's got a big eraser that Batman gave him. Better to be a rubber than a robber. I, I don't understand any of it. He looks stupid. He has a terrible gimmick. Um, he only made one appearance. And using your own words against him, Joe, the only other time he ever made another appearance was in an Ambush Bug special so Ambush Bug could make fun of him. That even tops Deadpool making fun of a villain because Ambush didn't get as many issues as Deadpool to do stuff. So they're like, we got to get the eraser in there. So the eraser's pretty bad, Joe. He's a fiasco, if you will. So, uh, again, I highly disagree. Uh, first of all, Leonard Fiasco is a fantastic name. Mm. Uh, second of all, it's a character that has a a, a, a mountain of potential. Uh, <laughs> besides the fact that he dresses up like a pencil, you can have the thing later on where, like, there's some sort of Axis chemical plant thing where he becomes a living pencil, right? Mm-hmm. Writes itself. But most importantly, Todd, uh, I don't know what the timeline is. When did this issue of Batman that he appeared in come out? Um, I have it right here. you got to give me one second to find the um, December 1966, Joe. Okay. Here's the reason why. Why this is a great character and should definitely not be voted for, especially against poor Banjo, who's a mess. And, (laughs) uh, you know, a 10-year-old boy who's hideously deformed. Um. This is just a ripoff of the eraser from the Duck Tracy cartoon, where Duck Daffy Duck, arguably the greatest Warner Brothers cartoon character of them all, nope, dreams that he is the greatest crime fighter of them all, Dick Tracy. And one of the villains that he fights in there is the eraser, who is essentially this character. Slightly different. I think they stole it from this, Joe. Wibbly wobbly time. Tracy, I think that Duck Tracy cartoon came out in the late 40s. 40s, 60s, who could tell? I mean, so close. So, so close. Again, I say they stole from one of the greatest uh, Warner Brothers shorts of all time. So, how could this be bad if they stole from that? Uh, it could be bad. It could be bad, Joe. No. And uh, that, uh, and again, I say it's the Great Piggy Bank Robbery uh, cartoon, and uh, that came in now 1946. Right. So this predates uh, the Eraser, or whatever his name is, by 20 years. And again, what do they always say, Todd? Copy an A, get an A? I say copy an A, get no A votes? I don't know. I just think... The eraser should get all the votes um, because his bad story, like you said, writes itself. Get it? Because he looks like a pencil, Joe. Anyway, the poll will go up uh, Wednesday afternoon and we'll put the link, of course, in the show notes uh, or in the, uh, on, the on longboxheroes.com so you can get a look at what uh, both these goofballs look like. Right. Uh, so, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did from Mang Matt. That guy sounds familiar. Never um, heard of him. Right. Uh, probably up to no good. Another package from Cot Green means another drawing from Annie the Kitty. And another reason why she's drawing comics and not being a comic. Because, you know, he's an expert on bad jokes. Um, 
and here's a picture of Colossus in a top hat and a cane. Um, and it says Colossus isn't allowed to participate in the X school talent shows because he always steals S T E E L S the show. Um, I got to give that, uh, joke a big thumbs up joe a big that's a colossus size joke right there i actually drew stink lines around him and everything oh wait those are musical notes well he's not a great singer oh that's what it is right no those are musical notes yeah you're I, right i thought they were stink lines mm-hmm. uh so thanks anyone uh you know if you're listening and you got something from our good friends at comics in the green and uh Becky drew something fun on it for you. If you're going to a convention here upcoming uh, yourself and you've gotten something commissioned or purchased a piece of art uh, or you yourself are a burgeoning artist and you want to tag us in something, be sure to tag Todd's Art Attack in that and uh, we'll be sure to share it with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned longboxheroes.com, of course. Uh, you can head over there, check out our store uh, link where you can buy shirts and pins and stickers. With our fancy logo on them, you can head over to our T Public store, uh, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, I know that they have uh, added to their repertoire a eco-friendly shirt that's made of 40% plastic, and I have no idea what that would even feel like. Oh, that would probably feel wonderful on my chest. Yes. Uh, so you can get uh, shirts and cell phone covers and notebooks and everything in between uh, with logos inspired by this show, After Dark, uh, Add Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Hit My Music uh, over there at that link. You can also support us by signing up for our Patreon. As little as a dollar a month is going to get you two bonus shows from Todd and myself. One is the films of independent filmmaker Mark Pirro, Pirro Mounties. This weekend will be uh, filming Buford's Beach Bunnies, which is absolutely a VHS case that you have seen on the shelves <laughs> back in the 90s, starring Tom Hanks's brother, uh, Chip Hanks. I forget what the brother's <laughs> name is. I think I think his son's name is Chip, the one who thinks he's a rapper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anywho, I wonder how many CGC graded copies of that there are out there. Oh, probably all 10.0s. Yes. And uh, the other show, Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago, that month's previews catalog. Uh, we put the full scans of the preview catalogs up. Uh, even if you want to, fo- you know, you want to follow along as we're going through, you just want to look at what, you know, 90s nostalgia looks like. Again, this 1992. Image Comics is about to explode. Marvel Comics is about to launch the 2099 line. Superman's about to be killed about four months from now. This is the time where comics as many of us knew them happen. And uh, we talk about it. We look at the solicitations. We look at uh, still putting out uh, Ninja Turtle analogs and knockoffs. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a fun walk down memory lane of the 90s, you know? Yep, I think we're about a year away from making Batman worse. Yes, well, right. uh, you you have the previews of that, you know? Yep. And uh, $5 a month is going to get you all that stuff uh, two weeks before everyone else, and it's going to get you after dark two days before everyone else, so you can listen to things in the correct, correct listening order. Yep, Jim Hanks, by the way. J- thank you, Chip. I say close enough. Right. 
And last but not least, of course, you can support us by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon uh, affiliate link. It's the banner at the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com. Uh, I think we also have the link to it in all of the show notes of all of these episodes. Uh, does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, the Echo Show 10 HD Smart Display with Motion and Alexa. Okay. It's like a little mini TV um, like that has a built-in like Alexa gimmick, I guess. Every time you say that, people's Alexas are going off. That's okay. Uh, somebody also purchased a demi-decade of the shingle of South Sea, the world's greatest Sherlock Holmes society. Mm-hmm. Appears to be a book of some kind. Right. And uh, somebody purchased um, replacement toothbrush head for Philips Sonicare E-Series. Right. It was a pack of six, and I can't even attempt to pronounce what the name of the company that puts those out is. Right, but April would approve of that purchase. Absolutely. Uh, even though we've kind of gone away from the Sonicares and we're just, uh, you know, t- regular toothbrushes. And we could say that this has been a couple months since <laughs> she's been at the job when she stole a grocery bag of toothbrushes from uh, the place where she had worked over the course of several years. And I say stole. She borrowed them. We're going to return them. Right. Over, you know? Right. How many things of... Dental floss, did you get enough to strangle a small army? Uh, no, so she, we have to get special dental floss because my, you know, uh, April just gets the standard, you know, run-of-the-mill uh, dental floss, right? Right. My son is a, a, a small child, and again, I say a small child, he's 10. <laughs> um, but he, has, you ever see, like, those flosser picks where it's right, like... Right, right. I've yeah, seen those like in a, parking lots way too much, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. People are dirtbags. Mm-hmm. So because he's a kid, that's, you know, at least it gets him to floss, right? Mm-hmm. Where I have tight contacts on my teeth. Right. So if I use your standard run-of-the-mill um, dental floss, the tight contacts literally rip the dental floss to shreds. And then I just have, like, pieces of dental floss string that I then need another piece of dental floss to dental floss out of my teeth. And it's just a never-ending cycle. So mm-hmm. I get, like, the glide floss, the like the so you can get it in the, the tighter spots, you know? That sounds dirty, but anyway. Well, um, me, personally, and I think April would totally approve of this, and you could tell her this. Me, I don't have dental floss. I just use uh, extra roofing nails I have laying around the house. <laughs> and I just get it, like metal, just sharp metal, just get it in there. Of course, you know, I look like a vampire when I smile afterwards, but... I was hoping you were going to say like envelopes or toothpicks. Oh, I do. Uh, well, I do have a thing of toothpicks, which I have the uh, it's like a salt shaker. You turn the top and the holes come out so you can get one out. I use that and I've used envelopes and or like memo cards all the right. time, all the time. But I'm a big fan of roofing nails. Gotcha. So thanks to anyone who made a purchase uh, this week, this month, this year, or this whenever. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that's it, man. That's all we got. Yeah. No TV, uh, no, t- no movies. Yeah, no TV, no movies. Like I said, we get a reprieve this week and next. Uh, you know, we're going to start with Obi-Wan, which uh, starts next Wednesday. 
And then uh, right after that, it's just uh, pretty much nonstop for the rest of the summer. Right, right. Because uh, no TV and movies makes Todd and Joe go something, something. I forget. Bed early? Right. Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm going to say this before we check out on this. Um, I I do like when we don't have TV shows or movies to talk about for a little bit. Gives me a bit of a break. I can't even imagine what your life is like where you're like, okay, I have to do a Piro Mounties. I have to watch two TV shows for the, you know, long box heroes. And then I have a homework assignment for at odds and I'm doing other podcasts. God only knows what you're watching for that. My God, Sposto, calm down. That's why I turned down a podcast request earlier this week. I'm just like, no, I need time to do other stuff, you know? Right. Well, I'm proud of you, Joe. Proud of you. I'm making making sacrifices, you know? Mm -hmm. So. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. This was episode 606 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.